her. I'm returning to KDVS at this point, having appeared previously on Stephen Valentino's program, Stop Making Sense, is Joyce Riley, RN. Welcome to Radio Parallax, Joyce. Thank you, Doug. It's my pleasure. Now, uh, on Steve's show some weeks back, you talked about your documentary, Beyond Treason, the U.S. government's long history of conducting deadly military experiments. And you are, in fact, the spokesperson for the American Gulf War Veterans Association. That's correct. I wanted to return uh, to this issue that you, you were talking about uh, a few weeks back to our listeners about some of the illnesses that have been coming out of the Middle East and elsewhere and how um, a lot of this can be traced back to um, the U.S. government. Well, not just in this war, but in several other wars, we're finding now that there have been a number of diseases, illnesses, that have um, left their mark on those that have served. And they've all been categorized and sort of dumped into the PTSD or or a post-traumatic stress disorder category and kind of set on the shelf. The sad thing is that this has gone on for 50 years. And I have to tell you, Doug, that the first time that I became aware of this, I was so shocked, you have no idea. Now, here I am, a captain in the active, inactive reserve of the Air Force. I had been involved uh, in the late 70s. Then comes the war in 90, uh, 91 buildup. And I decided that it was my duty to my country to go back and serve. So I did, and I didn't think a thing about it. My father was a a B-17 belly gunner. My mother was in the Navy. I mean, this was my life, was wanting to be in the military. So I never challenged or questioned anything that happened. Lo and behold, after the Gulf War, I am so sick. I have this demyelinating disease, this neurological disorder that many of the nurses had, and yet there's no answer. And then I find out that uh, there is not a desire to want to find out why we were sick. And then I found a document, and this is really the pivotal document, Senate Report 103-97, and it states, it's a Senate Veterans Affairs Committee report that was never supposed to see the light of day. It was only for committee members. It states, as I quote here, during the past 50 years, hundreds of thousands of our military have been experimented upon without their knowledge or consent. I lost it. I could not believe this was the Air Force the Department of Defense that I so admired. Your documentary starts out, because I think a lot of people would be incredulous to find out the extent to which a lot of this went on, where you go through some of these these, these programs that were in, in the U.S. government in the 50s, MK Ultra, rather famous program, efforts to do mind control, uh, some projects done with Seventh-day Adventists, of course, issues of Agent Orange in, in Vietnam, issues of psychotropic medications being used. And as you say, what's sort of shocking, I think most shocking about all of it is that there seems to have been a deliberate effort to not document or beforehand what people's status were and how they were afterwards in order to compare what the ultimate effects were. It's hard to to establish. It is. And in Senate Report 103-97, not only did they say that hundreds of thousands of our military have been experimented upon over the past 50 years, but they began to elucidate the experiments. And they mentioned the atomic veterans, uh, Operation White Coat, I mean, uh, the drug BZ. I mean, they had the arrogance not to just say, yeah, we did it, and yeah, it was a bad thing or whatever, but here's what they were. And right. I began to look at these things and think, how many innocent lives of how many people that believed like me, like that's our duty to serve our country, went, did the right thing, came back ill, and got an absolute whitewash from the U.S. government. Now, I, not only had I been an RN for about 30 years, but 
at the time, I was a heart, lung, liver, kidney transplant nurse. And my other job was that I did sort of in a consulting way was I was testifying in medical malpractice cases as an expert witness. So I knew what it took to put together a case, and I decided when I got well enough, and now we're, I was hospitalized in the end of 91, beginning of 92. Um, by 94, 95, I was starting to get better. In 96, I became angry, and I said, whoa, look at all these guys at Fort Sam Houston Hospital, at all these VA hospitals around the country that are sick, and nobody's addressing the issue. Let's talk about the numbers, which kind of blew my hair back a little bit. From from what I saw in your video, there's something less than 700,000 victims, say, of Gulf War One back in 1991. And of those, the the number of people with 10 to 100% disability is now 200,000? Well, they're, con- they're not 100% disability, but they're considered permanently disabled. That's 10 and, to 100% is the way, the way the military works it out then. And, and it's, yeah, up to 100%. Mm-hmm. It is, the number now is about 250,000. It's, it's higher than that. But let's say we'll use the figure of those that are permanently disabled from the first Gulf War, 250,000. Now, remember, it was a 100-hour war in which 146 people died, and half of those were from friendly fire. We shot our own men. So we had, 40, we had 70-some people die during the Gulf War, and now we've got 250,000 that are permanently disabled. But, Doug, it gets even worse because there's another 200,000 people that got turned down for their compensation because they filled out their paperwork incorrectly, they used Gulf War illness, and it takes almost seven years to get that paperwork through. So they were turned down because they had a disease that didn't exist. The way the Pentagon has been doing this for years is, whether it's Agent Orange or Gulf War illness or whatever, depleted uranium poisoning will be the next one, is that they take all of this, lump it together, then they farm out all the information to some um, bought and paid for, excuse my words, research organization that is going to give them the answer that they want, such as, and I will name the names, the Institute of Medicine or the Rand Corporation. They get them to say there's no evidence to prove the causation between A and B, or there's no evidence to prove that this is what caused the problem. So therefore, then, then they can say, see, there's no evidence. <laughs> That's what they've been doing for years. That's it, why there is never, I don't know, are you aware that there was never a um, compensation or disability for Agent Orange? Never, because they denied that it ever was a problem, and they right. got people, research right. to show that it wasn't. People like the Rand Corporation knew themselves government contractors, right? Exactly. Right, right. So they pad their own pockets, get the answer they want, and gee, we don't see any problem. Well, I'm thinking about it. Let's plug your video again. It's a Beyond Trees in two-disc set. And where can people get a hold of that? Well, the two-disc, it's a CD-ROM mm-hmm. and a DVD. The CD-ROM contains thousands of pages of documents. And they can call 877-GULF-VET, 877-GULF-VET. It's $20 for the two-set, two-CD-ROM, uh, the D- CD-ROM and the DVD set. Or if they are either in the military have been in the military or are planning to join the military, they can get it for free. And they can just go to beyondtreason.com, and it will explain to them how to get the copy at no charge, because we want everybody to have it. We want the people that served, uh, those like myself who did it for the right reasons, to be able to get a copy. But beyondtreason.com would be the website. Fair enough. Joyce, I want to talk about mainly today depleted uranium, but before we do that, let's backtrack a little bit to the 1950s. Your uh, your DVD shows some some stock footage of troops 
being exposed to atomic blasts and then marched basically into ground zero. And I think a lot of people would be shocked to realize the extent to which that sort of thing went on back in the 50s. Oh, there were so many tests. that There were 382,000 civilians and military that they tested this upon. 382,000 people. I mean, it's hard to believe. And in fact, uh, I just got a letter from the woman who's in charge or now head of the uh, Atomic Veterans Association. Her husband died as a result of it, and she's carrying it on. And it just breaks your heart to hear these stories of how they had the lymphomas, the leukemias, and they begged for help, and the Department of Defense said there's no evidence that uh, the atomic radiation caused it. Sure. I mean, all the way from Alamogordo, um, Nagasaki, Hiroshima, the uh, 235 test sites that they had, up to 1963, when they allegedly had the uh, test ban treaty, all those people's lives were affected, not to mention those lives, but their children also. Many of them were not born normal. They were placed from several hundred yards to several miles around the ground zero area. And, uh, of course, they say the test ended in 1963, but then they considered, they, they created another form of test called a SHAD, Shipboard Hazard and Defense, in which they dropped biological and chemical agents on top of the ships. So they sort of did it in a different vein. But uh, the sad part is no attempt was ever made to follow these people. So what kind right, of an experiment, what kind of research is this, uh, not unlike MKUltra, where they never tried to follow through and see if the people lived or died or even cared? I've read accounts of guys being on ships off Bikini Atoll, other Pacific uh, detonations of hydrogen bombs where they basically sailed right in afterwards to supposedly decontaminate things where they had no they had no protection they had none and as you saw in the movie where that uh, department of defense footage there shows them facing the blast and then they took a broom and wiped them off right now i mean this is just so ridiculous right this is worth an aside i think in the 1950s a lot of people including like andrei sakharov who was the father of the soviet hydrogen bomb a lot of good physicists took a look at the, uh, the outcome of um, a fallout and said, you know what, we can't really use these weapons. The consequences of using them are so dire that we dare not go ahead with it. And there were a lot of, uh, a lot of hawkish people in, in the military, in the USSR and the USA, who were determined, to, uh, committed to a course of using atomic weapons, and therefore did things like blew off an A-bomb and marched troops into ground zero shortly afterwards to say, hey, look, we can, we can use these bombs in a city and then occupy it by marching troops in. No problem. So a lot of politics got mixed up into this. It, it is so sad to see human lives used in such a vein of, I don't care whether you want to call it politics or research or, uh, I don't know. It, it, it wasn't even research. It wasn't for any purpose. They say when you see something you can't understand, look for the financial interest. And it would be, there's a huge industry out there making a lot of money selling A-bombs and H-bombs. No kidding. No kidding. <laughs> And I was going to say, and that's like the business of depleted uranium now. It's a big business, huge business, and it's Trace. costing the lives of uh, thousands of our people. Let's, let's talk depleted uranium. Depleted uranium is something that we probably didn't know a whole lot about before, the, before Bosnia, uh, before Afghanistan. There was not a lot of information out there. And when you ask somebody in the Department of Defense why we use depleted uranium, the reason is because it works. And depleted uranium is a public relations dream of uh, inventing a name to make everybody think that it's safe when it really isn't. Right. Depleted uranium is not depleted. I mean, some people say 40% it may be depleted of radioactivity. We're talking about radiation. 
Yeah, We're talking all... about making a weapon out of radiation. We're talking uh, about making a, uh, a tank and uh, uh, wrapping and skirting the tank in depleted uranium, then putting our troops inside that tank that are radiated all day long that are setting in there. And the idea that depleted uranium is dangerous came from a memo back in 1943. And this memo basically spells it out. We've included it in the uh, CD-ROM, but it it calls attention to all the dangers of radiation. And yet we made weapons out of it. Why? Because they want to kill people and break things. And probably the best thing to kill people and break things is depleted uranium. Well, someone explains very well, a military man on your video explains really well how it works. And, and Dr. Doug, uh, is it Rocky? Rocky. Doug Rocky also shows an actual uh, a model of one of these rounds. And it, it is remarkable in that um, it's a very, very dense and heavy metal that, uh, that will, it's, it's a perfect metal for its purposes, except for the fact that all uranium all uranium is radioactive. And so when this flaming flaming round comes out of, uh, of wherever it's fired from to hit the tank, it's on fire, and when it hits, it vaporizes, therefore spreading a spray of fine particulate matter that is all radioactive, and, that, and it cannot be decontaminated, which Dr. Dr. Rocky goes, uh, explains very clearly. That's right, and it's not just uh, that one round you saw that came out of a Bradley fighting vehicle. It's also the 30-millimeter shell that comes out of the A-10 aircraft. And we know how they were strafing all over Iraq. Uh, the F-15s in uh, Afghanistan, primarily, were using the 30-millimeter uh, shells. And you've got not only that, but you've got... I mean, let's look at the shells that now have depleted uranium. The 7.62-millimeter shell, 50-caliber, 20-millimeter, 25-millimeter shell, 30-millimeter shell, 105-millimeter shell... 120 millimeter shell. Then we go into the PDAM and the ADAM uh, weapons, the cruise missiles with an unknown quantity of DU in it, and the bunker buster bombs, those 5,000 pound bombs filled with DU that you drop the, the bombs all over the Middle East, and it has a half life that is going to poison that area for all of eternity for 4.5 billion years. And they shoot hundreds of thousands of rounds out of the A 10 aircraft. And everywhere those things go, they catch on fire. And whenever you see the battle um, injure, the battle uh, zone and you see these flashes, uh, that's depleted uranium in the munitions. And it has, like you said, that particulate matter that goes into the lungs. It lodges in, uh, in the food and is eaten in the food then. Right. The animals eat it. Uh, it's air, water, and soil that have been uh, contaminated by this. And there is no way to get rid of it. And our, and our European our European allies have voiced a lot of objections to the use of this, and and they're quite concerned about uh, how, ma- how much of the stuff we sprayed around Yugoslavia. Absolutely. Prior to the Second Gulf War, I got phone calls from uh, the Italian media, uh, Greek media, uh, German media, Swiss. A lot of people were very upset about this. They knew full well about depleted uranium, and nobody even in you know here even knew how to spell it yet because it wasn't even an issue. And uh, they were complaining and wanting to know what our response was going to be and what we were going to do about that. And, of course, we were fighting it as hard as we could. And NATO says, uh, Lord Robertson with NATO says, hey, it's fine with us if they use it. So the United States, Australia, and um, the U.K. possess these weapons, although they've been sold to about 15 different countries now. We spread around the wealth, 
And the problem is that we have poisoned the world. Now, why it's the Muslim people, I don't know. But that's who we poisoned. I mean, look at Afghanistan, look at Bosnia, look at Yugoslavia, look at uh, Iraq. And, uh, you know, whichever war we plan on going, where we plan on going next, we are literally trying to destroy their living area, not only, and the next seven generations. So this is, this is beyond belief that anybody would do this to this beautiful world. And my question is, where are the environmentalists? Why haven't we heard from people about, where's Greenpeace on this? Where's yeah. anybody to help us with this? It seems odd. The, the people I've heard voicing the loudest objections are, are our fellow NATO allies over in Europe who were quite bitter about this, and they've been blaming a lot of their troops' illnesses uh, on the use of depleted uranium. And you still have a Department of Defense that's saying, nope, nope, it's not a problem, because the RAND Corporation said it's not a problem. The RAND Corporation did issue a statement and a report that said it's not a problem. And so whatever happens, whether it's uh, Agent Orange or, or BZ or whatever it is, and the Department of Defense gets their carte blanche to say there is no problem, there is no evidence, then they, uh, of course, can never have a disease or treat for anything in the VA system. In other words... If there is no Gulf War illness, according to the Department of Defense, the VA cannot treat for it. Right. So being a physician, you can imagine what that would be like when these doctors call me and say, look, I know these guys are sick. I know they're dying of a Gulf War illness. The only thing I'm allowed to do is treat symptoms. Have you ever heard of such negligence in your life that you can only treat the symptom, not the illness? Well, Joyce, I've had people many, many years ago after Gulf War One. I've had military people come to me and say, you know, Doc, you need to look into this Gulf War thing because I was a healthy guy and something is wrong with me. And I'm not a complainer, uh, you know, I, but but I am not right since I went over there. And I I'm, I believed him then, and of course the evidence now. When you talk when you're talking about Gulf War One, let me do some stats from your from your DVD. Three hundred and forty tons of depleted uranium. Um, Afghanistan, a thousand tons, and and Gulf War II, two thousand four hundred tons of this stuff strewn about the landscape. That's a, an amazing amount of uranium. And that's it's not even the total amount because we're continuing to use it on a daily basis. Right. So it's building up even more. So yes, it's an incredible, and that's just the amount of DU. That's not the amount of the rest of the munitions surrounding it. That's just the amount of DU. Right. Now we've already got all kinds of problems coming back from the second Gulf War. Do you mind if I tell you what we're hearing now from the troops? Sure. And the kind of response we're getting now is the troop has been home for four to six months. Let me give you a, a story of a 23-year-old girl who called me and said, I've been home for four months, and I have all these major organ system problems, and she named them off to me. And basically, she had every symptom of uranium poisoning. And uh, not being a physician, of course, I wouldn't tell her that, but she had every symptom of de depleted uranium poisoning. And uh, she's 23 years old, has one child, and she said, her question to me is, she said, am I going to die? And she said, I have been to the, I said, what happened when you went to get treatment? She said, I went to the VA. They told me there's nothing wrong with me, and they would not test me for depleted uranium. They told me that I have um, PTSD, and they gave her a bag of drugs to take. Zoloft, uh, Wellbutrin-type drugs, Prozac, whatever combination that they're giving right now. And sometimes they give two and three and four of these drugs at a time, which is just uh, beyond me that they would ever consider doing that. And I said, well, what happens when you tell them you don't have a mental problem, you're really sick? They say, no, nobody's sick, you have a mental problem. Right. And it's just like a mantra that they're giving every one of these people. The first Gulf War, 70% of all the troops that went to the VA hospital or a DOD facility were either placed on or offered Prozac. 
right. 70%. Now, are, we, are Joyce, you telling me we sent 70% of our troops that were head cases to fight the, the first Gulf War? Point to make out, we don't send the infirm and the, the disabled to war. We send basically young, healthy men. And to have these kind of stats from Gulf War One of that percentage of disability has to just be... Yeah, I don't. Has anyone done the math on the number of times uh, greater you would expect that to be than due to chance? I mean, it must be it must be two hundred times higher. I mean, it's off the scale what's happening when you have people coming back with MS after the Gulf War. It's off the scale, especially when you consider nineteen-year-old young men don't get MS. Right. Um, so you've got all these cases of nineteen-year-old kids with demyelinating diseases. Um, you know, instead of putting it all and saying, "Well, gee, we need to do some real research," of course they begin to deflect that. But let me bring us up to Gulf War II again, yeah, because here's some recent information that's pretty scary. We're running out of time, Joyce. Quickly. Yeah, yeah. Okay, the 23-year-old girl. Not only was she sick, I asked her, how many people in your unit are sick in her transportation unit? She said, on the return to the United States, out of the 105 people in her unit, 99 were sick. The Christian Science Monitor did tests of four areas of Baghdad and found as much as 1,000 times the normal background radiation level on the digital readout. There is, everybody in the Persian Gulf right now that is there and breathing is getting poisoned. One physician told me it's akin to one chest x-ray every hour for the rest of your life. Well, that really puts it in perspective. Wow. Incredible. We're killing it, it, our own sons and daughters, and it's like a murder going on in front of us. I feel like I'm in the theater screaming and yelling. There's a fire over in the corner, and people say, well, let's see how the movie turns out, and we'll see if it's a real fire or not. Well, the first thing we've got to do is get this information out. Hopefully, we've done, we've accomplished that today. But in closing, what would you recommend listeners do who uh, would like to take action? Well, you have to scream this to your Congress people, but they know it. They already know it. Mm -hmm. But they're not going to do anything until enough people know it. You're going to have to call in on the regular, real-time regular talk shows and start confronting some people about this. We're going to have to embarrass the Department of Defense. And uh, I think through shows like, like yours and Steve, who, man, this... Steve was incredible when I did an interview with him at the uh, at the at UC Davis. He just is an amazing young man to have so much information. We've got to get this out to the college students, the high school students, everybody. If you know somebody who's going to join the military, make them watch Beyond Treason about the depleted uranium before they join. And if they still choose to join, that's their decision. But everybody needs to see this. Well, we will continue to, to, to talk about this subject. Depleted uranium is, I think, a, uh, a catastrophic health problem around the world, and we've got to quit using it in rounds. Absolutely. Absolutely. And th I thank you very much for your interest in this. And see, we've got to get to the physicians also. They don't have mental problems. They've got real physical conditions that deserve treatment. Yeah, in closing, I just say, Joy, it seems to be very easy if you were exposed to a small fragment of uranium, a, a body scan, which is a pretty standard treatment in medicine, should be able to pick up traces of radioactivity. You should be able to make this documentation quite easily if, if, there is a, if there's been an exposure, I think, in many cases. That's right. It costs about $1,000 per vet to do it, and the Department of Defense will not pay for it, though they are supposed to be, by regulation, doing these exams. They will not do it. So we need to bring some pressure to bear and, uh, like I said, embarrass the Department of Defense. The more visible we make this, the more we're going to make, uh, get treatment for these troops. And we've got to stop all human experimentation without consent. Joyce Riley, thank you for speaking with us. We uh, hope people will go out and get a hold of uh, Beyond Treason and that we can continue to spread uh, the information. Thank you. It's my pleasure.